Hi, I'm Alicia Michalisic Kurtz, and welcome to Real Talk, a place where healthcare professionals share stories about their more human experiences working in medicine. Today's story comes from Dr. Tuan Nguyen, an emergency physician in Southern California. A few months ago, when we released a short series of stories related to COVID-19, we did so because, well, how could we not? It felt like that was the only thing relevant anymore, that if you weren't talking about coronavirus in some way, shape, or form, you were seriously missing the boat. But after doing that a few weeks in a row, we kind of swung the other way. We were so sick of talking about COVID-19 that all we wanted to do was use Real Talk as a way to talk about anything else that might help us connect as humans, especially during this time when most of us are feeling more isolated or alone than we ever have before, or certainly more than we normally did pre-stupid COVID-19. But as we continue to work with healthcare workers all across the country to put together Real Talk sessions and help them share their stories, of course, in the most natural way ever, COVID keeps dominating a lot of their thoughts. Despite most of us who spend our evenings wishing and praying it away, it's still here. It's not going anywhere, and it's becoming more and more the new normal in our lives. For how long? Nobody's really sure, but it's looking like it's going to be a long time. So, we've decided it's time to take the baby bear approach over here. The mama bear all COVID all the time was burning us out. But the papa bear, no COVID whatsoever, was probably not fair to our actual life experience right now. So, like we're all trying to find balance to figure out what this looks like for all of us going forward, how COVID will play a role in the way we live, but will hopefully not be the only thing that defines our lives, at Real Talk, we're going to do the same thing. Sprinkle a little coronavirus in between the rest of the parts of life that are ongoing despite how inconvenient a time this might be. Because COVID does affect us. It is our real everyday experience in healthcare. And it continues to permeate into the deepest corners of our life, even when we go home. This is Tuan's story. To say that we start 2020 on the wrong foot is an understatement. If we can all push a reset button in 2020, most of us would gladly do so. It has been a rough and tough year. As we are embracing for another resurgence of this virus, I wanted to share with you my COVID story. This is my real talk. My story is about the four people that I've met during this pandemic that had a significant impact on my life they taught me humility, they taught me compassion, and reinvigorate my calling for being a physician. The first person is my first COVID patient. This is somebody I never thought had COVID. This is in the early pandemic day when we knew very little about this disease. She was a young woman in her 30 with no significant comorbidity. She presented with shortness of breath and wheezing. She was treated as if she was having a bronchitis or an asthma attack. Her workup was essentially negative except for some atelectasis on her chest x-ray. She was discharged home with some antibiotics and improved with ED treatment. Well, to my surprise, three days later she came back and definitely not improving. She's now diaphoretic, tachypnic, and hypoxic. 
She got admitted immediately to the intensive care unit and within 72 hours got intubated. Her COVID swab came back, of course, positive. You know, when I saw her the second time, that sense of guilt just rushed over me. Did I miss something here? Should I have admitted her? Now I'm beginning to second guess myself. That was my first wake-up call regarding this pandemic. This virus can be deadly. And it was a very scary realization. Well, fast forward a couple months later, my most memorable COVID patient. He was somebody that I knew for sure had COVID. This time, I'm more prepared, armed with the knowledge of the previous patient, I was ready. He was an elderly man in his 70s, obese with significant comorbidity. He came in looking like crap, looking like COVID. He was short of breath, to kipneg, and by far hypoxic. So we gave him albuterambi treatment immediately. We put him in an isolation room. We slap on high flow oxygen and subsequently place a sealed non-rebreather mask with viral guard. We admitted him to the intensive care and waited and waited, hoping that he'll get better. But he wasn't getting better. In fact, he was getting worse. Now he's more hypoxic, tachypnic, and definitely could not tolerate that tight face mask. So I talked to him spoke with his wife, preparing them for the worst. This was a very uncomfortable conversation. As if you're going to have any chance to save that man that evening, then we must intubate him now or risk a crash intubation. And I remember that moment vividly as if it was yesterday. I looked at him and he looked at me, that look of despair in his eye, as if he was about to take his last breath. You've all seen that look before. The look as if you will be the last person he sees before being induced into a medical coma and placed on a ventilator, not knowing when he could be weaned off. I can feel the anxiety and tension from everyone in that room that evening, including myself. I was nervous and, yes, scared that I might fail him. Because we all knew that it would be a very difficult intubation. He was a heavyset man with significant facial hair. The only one, however, was calm and not scared in that room was the patient, as if he has complete confidence and trust in us when we all have some doubts about our own ability. And then slowly through his face mask, he uttered these words to me before I intubated him. Doctor, please do everything you can to help me. I trust you. Boy, I'll tell you, those words were powerful. When I heard those words, I'm in tears, crying. Those words resonated my soul, reminded me of why I went into medicine. This is the moment. This is the time to save a life. The weight of my shoulder was about to get heavier, yet those words somehow inspired me, for I cannot fail him. Fortunately, with great teamwork and thorough preparation, we were successfully able to intubate him. You know, those first three months of the pandemic was very tough. We all went through it, all of us. Honestly, someday I find it very hard to get up and go to work. However, it is because of the next two people whom I'm going to tell you. They inspire me every day, encourage me to get up and perform my duty and responsibility. This is my daughter, Noelle. This is her when she was seven weeks. She is our miracle baby. Statistically, she shouldn't be here. She got conceived through IVF with only one, yes, one egg for my wife, 
Already at the beginning, she has defied all odds. When she was 16 weeks, she once again was tested. My wife went into preterm labor and had premature eruption of membrane. Less than 3% of all babies at this stage survive. And if they do survive, then almost 100% of them will be born prematurely with a prolonged NICU stay. We came very close to losing her on Christmas Eve if it wasn't for this next person. This is my wife, Yen. She's a wonderful wife and mother. She has the heart of a lioness. She's also very resilient, courageous, and she wasn't going to give up on this pregnancy that easily, especially since this was her final chance of having a baby. So on Christmas Eve, Yen broke her water at 16 weeks. She had a low-grade fever, hypotension, and bleeding. The labor has strongly encouraged a medical abortion, and for sure we were going to lose Noel. If we don't do anything quickly, we might lose Yen that evening. But knowing my wife, she wasn't going to give up on this child. So we pray, choose to wait, letting the doctors do their parts, which was aggressive treatment of IV fluid, IV antibiotic, and IV Tylenol. You know, that evening, our minds were so cluttered that we just couldn't think straight, so we opted to wait it out. What's even tougher was this ultrasound that was done that evening. Man, I'll tell you, seeing that heart beating was powerful. We just didn't have the heart or the willpower to make that difficult decision. Knowing what we know now, no parents should ever be put in that position to make that difficult decision. For us that evening, we were just trying to get by to the next day. And the next day, miraculously, she got better. Fever's gone, vital signs improving, and Yen's not actively bleeding anymore. Noelle's ultrasound the next day showed that she still has enough amniotic fluid around her to survive, along with a strong heartbeat. We finally got that glimmer of hope that we were looking for, and man, did we hold on to that hope. Noelle and Yen continued to fight on for the next three weeks of strict bed rest in the hospital before they were discharged home to have more bed rest for the next three months. Every night, we listened for her heartbeat. We both counted. If it's 140 to 150, we survive another day with the full knowledge that Yen could have a miscarriage at any moment. That fetal heartbeat was powerful. That was our hope and inspiration during this pandemic. When COVID-19 hit us, our living condition became more challenging. We lost a helper because she didn't want to get infected with COVID-19 after she found out that I work in the ED. To get help and to maintain our isolation, we turned to our parents. Yen and our unborn Noel moved back home with her mother, and I moved in with my parents so that we could get help taking care of our son, Vincent. This was indeed a very difficult time in my life. I have a duty and responsibility as a healthcare provider to care for my patient. Yet on the other hand, I have a duty and responsibility to care for my family and not putting them in harm's way. My family didn't sign up for this. Neither was your family. There was a lot at stake here for me. I cannot, and I cannot get sick, because if I do, there's no one to take care of me. And I cannot, and absolutely cannot, get my wife, unborn child, and elderly parents sick. When I realized that I was high risk for my family, I had to make the difficult decision of self-isolation. I was determined not to get them infected. I went to work in a state of paranoia and extreme obsessive about my PPE. At work, I only work in the isolated cubicle in ER2 with at least six feet away from everyone. 
I constantly clean and wipe everything down on my workstation with sandy wipe. And it has to be four sheets of sandy wipes. I don't know why four sheets, except that it makes me feel better. I walk around in my N95 mask until I leave the hospital. I develop a 10-step checklist in my head to don and doff PPE to avoid cross-contamination from putting on N95 mask and then a surgical mask over the N95 mask, then my bunny suit, and making a hole through the bunny suit to stick out my thumb, put gloves on, then double gloves, put on my goggles, put on my face shield, hand washing, then hand sanitizer. I washed my hands so frequently to the point my skin would chapped with paper cut. Some of you might have seen me wrap my fingers for a week due to paper cut. At home, it's even worse. The minute I'm in the garage, I would strip down to my socks and underwear, put in my dirty scrubs in a covered basket, ran upstairs to shower, then put on fresh clothes and my N95, walked downstairs only to greet my parents briefly, picked up my food, and rushed upstairs to my bedroom. No one was allowed to go upstairs. I had to talk to my wife, parents, and son only through FaceTime. It was indeed one of the most difficult times in my life. What I do miss most was not being able to hug and kiss my wife and son. I was in a state of depression. The only glimmer of hope was that nightly fetal heart tone check. We would FaceTime around 9 p.m. before bed. My wife would check our unborn child's heartbeat, and we both watch and look at the monitor. And every Tuesday around 1 p.m., I would visit my wife in my N95 and sit in the corner watching the ultrasound from afar for amniotic fluid and for the beating heartbeat once again. That was powerful. That was my hope and inspiration. Seeing all of you at work also inspired me. Your presence was the fuel to my soul. Some of you also had some difficult, challenging time during this pandemic. Some of you have lost a mother, a brother, yet you all show up to work and came together like one family, helping each other to cross cover when one is sick. You know, they say the greatest cures for all pain and suffering is time. In my case, it was time, patient, along with a dose of resiliency. And on May 18, Noel Amory Nguyen was born to arm at 37 weeks today, healthy. Her name stands for Christmas Miracle from God. That was one of the happiest moments of my life. I guess you can say we were both lucky, but I guess we're also very blessed. So in case you wonder whatever happened to those patients that I saw, or my first COVID patient, when I last spoke with her mother last month, she's at home recovering. And as for my most memorable COVID patient, he too got better after being on a ventilator for 25 days. He got transferred to a skilled nursing facility. So partners, as I reflect in the last six months, my COVID story is not just my story, but it can be our story. Our story as a group, as a Vituity partner, and as American. You know, this pandemic, this is nothing new throughout our history. Anytime something has happened to us, good or bad, we learn from it and we recover. We've seen challenges like this before, whether it's 9-11, natural disasters, SARS or Ebola. We might not get it right the first time, but we learn and get better by it. Along the way, we met people and individuals that inspires us. We rely on our immediate and work family for support. 
this is our story. But together we are resilient and we will recover. Together we are strong. So I say to all of you, thank you. Thank you to all of you partners. You are my heroes for the work that you've done and for the work that you continue to do. Thank you. And I love you guys. One of the things that stands out to me most in Tuan's story is this image of him and his wife huddled together around the Doppler, listening every night to Noelle's little heartbeat, hearing that sound, knowing she's still alive, that hope still exists, and that tomorrow is worth fighting to get through because all is not lost. Not yet. Is that not an analogy for what this COVID craziness is like right now? We're surrounded by so much negativity in general, in politics, in social media, and some of it is belief and choice-based, like people being really angry about wearing masks. But some of it is the result of very difficult to make decisions without an obvious right or perfect answer, like kids not being able to go back to school because of the public health risk, but in the meantime, putting their social development and education and Frankly, their family's mental health and wellness on the line, too. These are tough times in so many ways. But one of the beautiful things is finding those heartbeats, looking for those little precious moments that give us hope to get through to the next day. The healthcare workers that line up to applaud the COVID patients that survived as they leave the hospital. The ingenuity in sports and business to give people access to stuff that brings them joy, like closing off streets to create socially distanced outdoor dining space. Or Major League Baseball having fanless games that somehow lead to a pretty good viewing experience from home. The staggering number of dogs available in shelters because tons of them have been adopted as families find themselves with more time at home. In the midst of all this chaos and all this frustration and disappointment, there are these heartbeats, little heartbeats. And if we focus on those, we can get through this too. What are some things that give you hope right now? What's on your COVID silver lining list? And what are you doing to be those heartbeats for the people around you? Thank you to Tuan Nguyen for sharing his story with us, to the team at Vituity for their support of this podcast, to Marco Gonzalez, our sound engineer, and of course, to all of you for listening. I'm Alicia, and this is Real Talk. Want to connect with the Real Talk podcast or record your story with us? Head to www.vituity.com forward slash Real Talk for more information or email us at Real Talk at V I T U I T Y dot com.